welcome to episode 29 of Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. Thank you so much for stopping by, checking out the show today. Thank you for being with me for episode 29. Man, what a week. Got a huge amount of games uh, to cover. Make sure to check out my link tree, linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T for my Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, everything, everywhere, all at once uh, in one convenient link uh, location. Also, everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's the name of the movie. That is nominated for uh, some Oscars, Oscar news. Uh, this is not an Oscars podcast. If you're looking for an Oscars podcast, fucking it's not here. I'm sorry. My apologies. My apologies ahead of time. Uh, but it is not. This is not the place for Oscar news. Uh, but you should watch that movie. It's a good movie. I don't know what else to tell you. It's a good movie. Um, we got some Xbox news uh, today. I got a decent amount of a healthy amount of Xbox news today. And then we also are going to wrap things up with a little bit of wrestling news, though. I may take a brief break to um, look over some other news that I may or may not have missed. Um, but we're we're in it in terms of games. You know, Forspoken came out. Uh, Forspoken came out to not the best reviews. If I were to pull up a uh, Forspoken right now on Metacritic, for example, you will see, or I will see, so not, not great reviews. So we're looking at about a 67 on Metacritic out of 72 reviews. That is not great. Um, not great in the slightest. I got a chance to play, um, the Forspoken demo. Previously, the Forspoken demo was only available on PlayStation 5. They put it out on PC. And wow, um, I didn't like, hmm. Oh, Forspoken, Forspoken. Um, obviously, in the demo, you don't get a lot of the character, you know, interactions. You don't get a lot of voice acting. You don't get a lot of dialogue. It's just kind of drops you into the game and says, here's a quick tutorial. Here's how magic parkour works. Here's how you fight enemies. Here's an open world to run around in and go do your thing. And um, so maybe we'll start with the, the gameplay. I don't think first spoken plays very well. Like it doesn't, if the game is all about you and your magical abilities and your, you know, uh, mobility and, and movement and traversal abilities, um, it doesn't seem very exciting to play. So you kind of have this magic parkour, which means you can kind of climb over things immediately uh, upon uh, upon approaching them. You have dash, you know, and and boost, and 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 you can run fast um, and jump high and kind of glide through the air. You also have like this, like it's a really bad uh, mechanic, but they you have like a Spider-Man web zip of like if you're close enough to an object or a you know building or something, you can kind of zip to it. Um, it doesn't doesn't particularly feel very good. You kind of have these um, you know, magical powers of like, oh, I can use tendrils and, and vines to whip people. I can shoot. I can charge my attack for a more powerful shot and I can deflect and I can do all this stuff. And it just obviously it's very hard to get a context, uh, a full understanding of what those powers are going to feel like when you have a fully leveled up character when you've unlocked, you know, uh, various, uh, you know, modifiers and, and things like that to build upon these abilities. Um, but man, I did not care for what I played of Forspoken. I did not spend a huge amount of time playing Forspoken for, for what it's worth. Um, but I was very curious, especially after, you know, hearing some of the negative reception around that game and, and things like, oh, the, the PC requirements, like you, you need a, a powerful PC, a PC that's maybe more powerful than a PlayStation five, just to run that game the same way that a PlayStation five can run it. So I was just trying to figure out like, what is up with the graphics in this game? What is up with the voice acting and the tone and the, and the vibe and the style. And it is almost none of it is appealing. Unfortunately, um, it's, it's just a bummer. I don't know what else to say. It also doesn't look amazing. Like, Looking at this game on a PC, running it about as powerful as I could run it, I'm like, you know, doesn't look so hot. I've I've played better looking games before. I've seen you know better looking games perform uh, at higher frame rates and and smoothness and stuff like that compared to uh, 
Forspoken. So unfortunately, Forspoken, uh, kind of a wet fart, uh, but that is not the only game. Oh my goodness. Uh, Subjected Sins with the subscription. Thank you so much, Subjected Sins. Uh, you can all subscribe uh, if you would like over to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. Okay, so Forspoken is not the only game that came out. Um, by the time this podcast is out, uh, Dead Space uh, will be out. Uh, Dead Space reviews are hitting now. The Dead Space reviews. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to pull up this Metacritic uh, you know, score one more time. Uh, Dead Space, uh, as of right now, uh, this I'm looking at the PS5 version of the Dead Space um, reviews. Currently looking at an 89 on Metacritic, a score of 89 on Metacritic out of 51 reviews. That is a, a lot more positive than Forspoken. But, you know, obviously they're building off of a great game. Dead Space is a fabulous game uh, as it is. So it almost be weird for this to be bad, considering from the, the looks of some of the reviews, it is a fairly faithful uh, remake of uh, Dead Space One, kind of just bringing up a lot of you know modern graphics, a lot of modern polish, spit shine, and stuff like that, um, and perhaps presenting Dead Space as something that could potentially be you know a franchise going forward, the same way it was uh, back when it originally came out on the PlayStation three and Xbox 360, right? You know, we had dead space two, Dead space two, we've been introduced multiplayer, right? And then, you know, dead space three, of course, introduced co-op. So I'm not saying they're going to remake dead space two and three, but you could potentially see a, a scenario where, okay, we are going to make a follow-up to this dead space remake. No, it isn't dead space two, or maybe it's going to take ideas from dead space two or whatever the case may be, but we are really going to, um, now that we've attracted this new fan base, you know, with this remake, now we can kind of present Dead Space the way it was maybe always meant to uh, be, or at least be in the context of the modern world in which it finds itself in. Um, you know, kind of pulling some quotes from uh, uh, from uh, the Metacritic uh, reviews. We have uh, uh, sites like, uh, let me see here. Uh, Game Informer, uh, this is a, kind of a blurb from Game Informer's review of uh, Dead Space. Rather than reinvent the wheel, Motive made Dead Space look uh, nicer, play better, and preserve the core of the experience. Its new flourishes add to the enjoyment instead of subtracting. This uh, remake respects and polishes up my memories of Isaac's first encounters with the Necromorphs without making me miss the original version. So, I mean, I mean, gosh, like, I don't know what else you could want from a, a remake of uh, of Dead Space, but that sounds good to me. So that is out Friday. That'll be out. That game will be out as the time of uh, this podcast being out, which means I will talk about Dead Space next week. I'm going to play some Dead Space uh, Friday um, on the stream. I'm assuming I can play it on the stream. I don't actually know what time, like what hour, what minute of Friday, uh, dead space will be out, but, uh, if it is out Friday, damn it, I'm going to play it. Hopefully I can play it on stream tomorrow, but, um, yeah, we're kind of jumping ahead. We're kind of skipping news. Just, just briefly, we're going to get back to news in just a moment, but yeah, I mean, biggest games out this week are, uh, are, or, or, you know, have been out or, are Forspoken. When did Forspoken actually come out? Um, I kind of missed, uh, that was out on the 24th. Okay. That was earlier, earlier this week, uh, Forspoken came out. Um, and then of course, dead space out on Friday, man, I feel like they really picked a bad time with Forspoken. I mean, Forspoken seems like a game where like the ideas just simply weren't clicking. Like they could have made the game uh, more graphically appealing. They could have made, you know, um, it run a little bit better, maybe not so, uh, resource heavy on the, on the PlayStation and, and PC side of, of the graphics and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, it seemed like some ideas that just weren't quite clicking. So I don't know where they go from here in terms of, uh, of, of Forspoken, but maybe a bad week to put it out considering that um, Dead Space is hitting hard. And those are both like single player core, you know, games. Obviously, Dead Space is not open world. Same way Forspoken is. But if you're looking for a single player story game, I mean, first of all, single player story games are back, y'all, like back and better than ever uh, to some extent. But uh, maybe a rough week for uh, for Square Enix. Um, well, actually, maybe we'll include this in news. We'll, we'll probably take a break so I can add this to news. But um, 
uh, some Marvel Avengers news that uh, we could probably talk about. But first, let's talk about Xbox. Xbox, uh, just yesterday, uh, yesterday, of course, being Wednesday, Xbox had his developer direct conference. Well, it was more like a video than a conference. And basically, uh, it was some of the developers, uh, you know, owned and, and operated by Microsoft, uh, sharing a little bit more information around some of their games, the games that they've been working on, some upcoming games, plus some new releases, new announcements. Um, we have a list here. Uh, they kick things off with Minecraft Legends. Minecraft Legends is their uh, strategy game, kind of a multiplayer a co-op slash competitive, uh, you know, strategy game. Um, this is not the first time that Microsoft has done a spinoff of, um, of Minecraft. You know, we have seen Minecraft story mode, um, which is more of a single player. Uh, you don't know. Minecraft story mode is made from the people who made like the walking dead, uh, telltales, the walking dead. And, um, why am I blanking on all the other games? Like gardens of the galaxy tales of the board, original tales of the borderlands. um, and all that stuff. So basically the, um, this time around Minecraft legends, again, is focusing more as a, um, multiplayer action strategy game. Um, it's going to have a story mode that you can play. They announced that the story mode is going to be something that you can play cooperatively with friends as well as PVP. Um, the maps are going to be procedurally generated. Um, so random maps each time you can you know explore the world to gather resources to build your base to fight your enemies it's a strategy game it's, it's that sort of thing i will say this like i played minecraft dungeons which minecraft dungeons was the kind of the action rpg like dungeon crawler hack and slash it's very much like diablo if you've ever played diablo diablo you know one two three or even torchlight whatever um, that is pretty much Minecraft Dungeons. I liked Minecraft Dungeons, like, don't get me wrong, but it didn't have a lot of Minecraft stank to it. Like, it didn't have that je ne sais quoi, um, that you might expect from Minecraft. I didn't feel like I was managing a lot of, re like, original Minecraft, you are cutting down trees, you're mining, you're building stuff, you're upgrading the stuff that you built, you're building a house, you're doing survival shit, right? And, um... You didn't get a lot of that in Minecraft Dungeons. Um, at least I never kind of felt like you were getting a lot of that stuff in Minecraft Dungeons. Minecraft Legends, on the other hand, definitely seems to focus more on survival and crafting while also being a strategy game, you know, managing, you know, the the your armies and, and your base and your military and and the exploration and, and you know, fighting, you know, nature uh, as you fight your enemies and, and all of that stuff. Um, Minecraft Legends uh, looks uh, looks cool out april 18th i don't know if they had announced a date for it before that um but a date is now set april 18th they also showed off forza motorsport forza motorsport if you forget that uh, was my uh, nitwits um don't know why i'm referring to myself like that uh but it was my most anticipated game of the year for 2023 and I'm going to get this out of the way and say they did not announce a release date for Forza Motorsports, which was a huge disappointment for me. But I mean, listen, like I would I got other games to play. I could always go back and play more Forza Horizon 5 in the meantime, uh, if I can't get enough Forza. But realistically, I mean, I would rather this game be good than this game be rushed. Right. You know. If it means having to wait another six months for this game to come out, for it to come out in a state that is fun and enjoyable, you know, I think it's worth it, right? You know, they talked about uh, at launch of the game, they're going to have 500 cars available to play at launch with like, I think over eight, eight, over or around 800 unique like car parts. With 100 new cars at launch, we are dealing with a healthy amount of cars. Uh, sorry, 100 new, with dealing with 100 new cars as part of motorsport for the first time, we are dealing with a healthy amount of cars with 500 at launch, um, 800 parts. So, you know, they kind of talked about how they talked about a couple of things they're talking about their physics model, their driving model and stuff like that. You know, they really wanted to like, they described racing as like you're out there in a battlefield, which is a weird way to describe racing. You know, I get it. Rubbing is racing, but I don't know if I would say I'm going to war when I go and race cars uh, in video games anyways, but I guess that's one way of describing it. So again, a very gritty 
dynamic and, and the most advanced physics model that they have had today. They are saying that this uh, physics model for driving is more advanced than the last couple of Forza games combined. I don't know how you would do that math, but again, I'm willing to accept it as marketing speak. Uh, if need be, they also talked about fully dynamic time of day with weather. You know, you might race um, in, you know, in the afternoon, afternoon turns to night, you know, rain comes, you bless the rains in Africa, all that stuff. Um, but again, no, no date for it. And um, some people were, some rumors were going around that, uh, you know, Forza Motorsport might come in real hot. Like it might come out like as soon as they are finished with that game, it is out. Like there might not be a lot of time for, for extra polish, extra development time. Like it might just come out when it's, when it's ready and it'll be ready as soon as it's done sort of thing. So, um, a little concerned about, about if those rumors are true, uh, Redfall, of course, the other game that, uh, they showed off um, Redfall, you know, was kind of included in the rumors around Forza that like, hey, when this game, it comes out, it is like it is hot out of the oven. Like it is like steaming like this is this is it like they'll work on it. They'll update it. They'll, you know, refine it, but it might become an, you know, piping, uh, piping hot, which is unfortunate. I just I just think like in a world where um a world where like Forza, uh, you know, Forza Horizon Five is, you know, was a very popular game and 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 attracted in you know a lot of people. Like I would like to think that Forza Motorsport would have more time. Uh, in a world where Halo Infinite did not connect with people and keep people the way that it needed to, based off you know a slow update cycle and and some missing features at launch. Like I would like to see some of these games hit the way that they need to hit. Um, yes, they talked about, you know, like detailed dirt damage and battle scars that'll build up on your car time of day, more realistic behaviors and improvements, suspension, exhaust, you know, better sounding, um, cars and all of that stuff. In the case of Redfall, Redfall, of course, made by the people who made Dishonored and Prey and Deathloop. Um, Redfall is that open world first person shooter kind of co-op game where you are fighting vampires. Now they did stress that you do not need to play this game multiplayer. You do not need to play this game co-op, right? You know, the characters that you can choose are all going to have unique abilities. Um, and they're supposed to play off of each other's abilities. So if you had friends, for example, I don't know if you have friends, you have a friend in me, I guess. Um, but, um, if you have friends, the different character abilities will kind of play off of one another. If you don't, you're going to be playing it solo. And again, it is, you know, you are in Redfall, Massachusetts, uh, hunting down uh, vampires, uh, leveling up uh, your character, unlocking new abilities, getting new guns. They talked about how, you know, they're trying to make this game the same way that, uh, you know, Dishonored and Prey and Deathloop worked in terms of like, oh, you can approach it stealthy or you can go in guns blazing or you can maybe, you know, explore the environment before you make your approach to find, oh, I found this key that gets me into this door that, you know, gives me access to uh, this area of the environment that uh, previously wouldn't be available and, and things like that. And it looks, you know, it looks like a first person shoot. Like it looks, listen, like to me, Redfall is the most like on the surface standard looking, um, you know, kind of shooter action game that Arcane has made. In the case of Prey, you know, you were looking, um, um, in the case of Prey, you know, you're, you're looking at a scenario where it's like, oh, we're dealing with you know, kind of, we're kind of going back to the Bioshock way of doing things, the Deus Ex way of, of doing things in terms of like, you know, very non-linear approaches to these environments and, and stuff like that. Um, plus also in, in the case of Prey, I mean, they're reimagining Prey, the, you know, unlike the way Prey had been done before, Prey 2017, if you don't know, was a remake of an older game called Prey. Deathloop, you were dealing with these crazy, you know, time mechanics. I mean, Deathloop is basically Groundhog Day, a violent version of Groundhog Day and uh, plus a bunch of unique sci-fi abilities and powers and and all of that stuff. So 
Um, and Dishonored, of course, you have your, you know, you're sneaking around, stabbing dudes with your powers and all that stuff. But Redfall looks a more, you know, kind of stock uh, first person action shooter than their previous stuff. But I think that there's a lot of stuff that's going to be hidden um, from us until release to keep things surprising and interesting. That has a release date. Redfall out May 2nd. Uh, subjective sins. Oh crap. I didn't mean to put the sub through yet. I wasn't even here. Oh, subjected sins. That is okay. I appreciate the, the support and thank you for being here for as long as you can be here. So, so thank you so much for that. Uh, they also talked about the elder scrolls online Necrom. I'm not a big elder scrolls online guy. I've played a little bit of elder scrolls online. Um, though I might argue I'm not the biggest Elder Scrolls guy in general, like don't get me wrong. Skyrim's a cool game and Oblivion's cool. And that's about where my enjoyment of, uh, you know, Elder Scrolls kind of st starts and stops. I did play a little bit of Elder Scrolls online, not enough to ever get into the expansions. Uh, it had, this game has been going, if you have never played Elder Scrolls online, uh, first of all, it's been going for a while now. I want to say 2015 is when Elder Scrolls Online originally came out. April 4th, 2014, excuse me. That would have been the PC version, right? I'm assuming, yeah. So, yeah, so the Elder Scrolls Online has been kicking around since April 4th, 2014, though they did see PlayStation versions in June that next year, 2015. So I'm kind of kicking around since 2015, 2014. And they kind of talk about, you know, each game having a chapter and every, every, uh, year they do a big chapter release, which is a, a paid, uh, expansion, uh, for the game. In this case, they're dealing with, uh, a new character class, uh, called the, uh, Arcanist, some sort of magic wielding, uh, character, uh, the chapter is called Necrom. It is out in June. They also said that previous chapters will be free to play for a limited time. You do need to own the base game. So the, the way that Elder Scrolls Online works is you got to go buy the base game. Um, and then you can go buy the, the expansions, the, the chapters, uh, if you want. Uh, but for a limited time, those previous chapters will be free to play. I don't know if it's free to keep. I doubt they're going to let you keep them. I seriously doubt you're going to, you know, they're going to let you keep them, but whatever. Um, and then there was a surprise announcement, uh, in the form of Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush is the new game from Tango Gameworks. Uh, Tango Gameworks, uh, I'm, I believe I'm pronouncing that name of the developer, right? Uh, Tango Gameworks. Yes, it is. That's the name. Tango Gameworks, if you don't know, they are the people, uh, first of all, they're owned by, you know, Microsoft, Bethesda, and all that stuff. Uh, they are the makers of The Evil Within, The Evil Within 2, uh, last year's, uh, 2022's uh, game, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, um, and they're back with their new game, Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush is a character action game, you know, kind of action adventure game. You run around cutting up uh, robots and fighting and all that stuff. Um, in a beautiful cartoonish like uh, uh looking uh world like gosh the the when i first saw this i was like holy shit this game's got style to it this game's got style to it i might not love the style i might not be a you know uh passionate about you know some of the some of the tones of the game but graphically just man whoo looking good looking sharp um, the catch with Hi-Fi Rush is that it is not only a character action game where you're running around cutting up dudes and, and monsters and and uh, robots and, and all that stuff, but it is also a rhythm game. It is also a music-based rhythm game. So uh, the way that it works is uh, you can attack, you can swing your sword, or in, in, the, in this case, your sword is like a gigantic, uh, like recycled-looking uh, guitar, um, and you can attack enemies. And when you attack enemies, it's always to the beat of the music. It is always to the beat of the of the background music uh, that's playing throughout the game. Um, I should mention that like everything seems to be tied to the music. I mean, you can you can run around um, without worried about moving on the beat. You can jump. You can dodge without wor worrying about being on beat. But if you do things on beat, you are basically rewarded for it. You'll become more powerful. You will move faster. Uh, which is a really neat idea. So if I were to say jump, um, I would jump a little bit higher. I might be able to jump faster if I were to jump on beat or I might be able to 
um, go from jump to attack more quickly doing those on beat dodge into a jump into an attack on beat uh, will go a little bit more smoothly than if I was just mashing the button. So you are timing everything to the rhythm uh, of the game. The game features uh, some licensed soundtracks. Uh, I think they kind of talked about uh, bands like the Black Keys and Nine Inch Nails uh, are uh, are in the uh, soundtrack. Um, but, you know, this is a very different game than what Tango Game were. I mean, when you think about the evil within, um, I mean, in fairness, evil within is basically Shinji Mikami, which if you don't know who Shinji Mikami is, Shinji Mikami uh, been around a long time, um, directed the first Resident Evil game back in 1996, would then go on to do Dino Crisis and you know, a bunch of other Resident Evil games, um, and then would eventually leave to form Tango Gameworks. Tango Gameworks makes Evil Within 1 and 2 and Ghostwire and now this. Uh, but again, in, in this scenario, like it is not a survival horror game. It is like a cartoon, like a Saturday morning cartoon looking action adventure sort of thing. Again, very much inspired by, you know, kind of your mid 2000s era rock music, which that's the that's the part where I'm like, I'm not the biggest fan of the Black Keys. I don't I can I don't really care about Nine Inch Nails. Um, so that's the part where like I was like, oh, this is neat. I don't know if I actually like feel the music or feel the beat because I don't really feel the music, uh, sort of speak, but it is a, it is a unique idea. And, uh, the thing about it is that it came out the day it was announced. Like they were like, Hey, let's show off hi-fi rush. Here's the game. Look at this stuff. Oh, you're jumping around doing all this cool stuff. And it's out now. Right. Well, actually they were like, it came out a couple of hours after the, uh, the, uh, direct conference, uh, was over. Um, so that was the kind of thing. So I've been playing around with it a bit. And again, I don't, I don't, I kind of guess I kind of spoiled it by talking about my feelings on the game, but, uh, it, ah, uh, man, the, the thing is, is that like, I think as a character action game, it is kind of a little stock. Like it's a little like samey. It's kind of same old, same old in terms of, oh, you fight dudes. And if you fight better, you get better rankings and all that stuff. Um, but I don't feel the music like I remember last year playing Metal Hellsinger and Metal Hellsinger was a first person shooter where you were trying to shoot shotguns and pistols and sniper rifles and assault rifles and all that stuff to the heavy metal music. And that felt like rubbing your stomach and patting your head at the same time. I really wasn't getting it at all. Um, I don't want to say that my enjoyment of the music in any of these games has anything to do with um, uh, my ability to perform the combat and actions on beat. I guess you could say that if you're not feeling the beat, you might not be able to, uh, you know, time your button presses the way that you need to. Um, you can get through, um, at least in the case of Hi-Fi Rush, you can get through that game not being on music. No problem. You're going to have a whole lot less fun because you were just not there's the, the combat just flows so much more seamlessly, so much more fluid, uh, so much faster uh, when you are in tune with the with the music. Um, but again, you can get through it. I was playing it on easy. You can get through because I was worried about the uh, the timing of things. You can get through it. No problem. Um, and I did find myself hitting, you know, the strikes and attacks and the jumps to the music um, more in time than not to some extent, but I definitely had to think about it. Like, it's not just a thing of like, oh, you see it on screen and you visualize it and you're good. You kind of have to, you, your brain has to process, or at least my brain anyways, has to process not only what I'm seeing, but what I'm hearing in a way that is like, okay, even though what you're looking at might not actually be in time with the music, or at least doesn't show the rhythm, you can visualize the beat. There are a lot of different accessibility options to show the beat on screen so that you can time your presses. But if you do that, and, and I didn't really do a lot of that stuff, if you do that, then you spend more time looking at like kind of a metronome, looking at this beat um, tracker more than the characters on screen, the, the enemies that are trying to attack you. So um, I, I got through, you know, some boss battles and stuff like that. Like I didn't have too much trouble. I just wasn't feeling it. 
uh, the way that the game is probably meant to be felt. But it's super cool. It is out now on Game Pass, PC, and Xbox. Um, again, you know, Tango Gameworks now owned by Microsoft. So that's probably, uh, you know, Ghostwire Tokyo was probably the last PlayStation game you're going to get from those guys. Uh, unless something real crazy happens. Which you never know. Microsoft is a crazy company. So uh, we shall see. But anyways, Hi-Fi Rush was kind of their surprise. And it's out now thing, which is which is super fun to see. A lot of folks really happy with Hi-Fi Rush, really connecting with it. Again, I liked it. I don't know if I need to play more of it. It's kind of like my, and this is going to sound harsh. This is going to sound harsh because I definitely spent more time with this other game than Hi-Fi Rush. But to me, like Hi-Fi Rush is my pentiment game of the year. A game of like, yeah, it's really neat. And I don't think I need to play all of it. But boy, they better keep making more cool, weird, unique stuff like this. Putting it out on Game Pass, making it accessible for people because there is an audience for people who are going to be, you know, super into, you know, um, you know, point and click adventure games the way Peniman is or into, you know, music based action games the way that Hi-Fi Rush is. So uh, Microsoft, please keep making stuff like that. It, it is super cool to see. Um, the world does need more of it, um, even if I don't personally love all of it. Another Xbox news, Xbox confirms it will return to Los Angeles with a summer showcase this year. Uh, you know, Microsoft is not done with game announcements. You know, June is around the time of E3 Electronic Entertainment Expo. Electronic, yeah, Electronic Entertainment Expo. Assuming EA, or sorry, not EA. Uh, assuming E3 is still around. But anyways, Microsoft is going to do its own thing. They have the, uh, they have the, not Staples Center. Where is this place? Uh, oh, it's sorry. Uh, uh, the Los Angeles Convention Center. Okay, whatever. In that area, your Los Angeles Convention Center, Inglewood, California, all that stuff, um, is where they have uh, their showcase. And again, uh, Xbox confirms that it will return to Los Angeles. Now, a couple things to note about uh, Xbox confirming it will return to Los Angeles is that prior to this developer direct that happened on Wednesday, uh, Microsoft said that they're also going to have a Starfield uh, announcement or not a Starfield announcement, but a Starfield, uh, you know, kind of info drop, a, a video, a conference or something dedicated to Starfield. And, uh, people are suspecting that Starfield is, is slowly slipping into later this year. It was delayed from last year to this year with no date other than first half of 2023. And people are starting to suspect that with, uh, you know, kind of June, uh, uh, with some of the days, some of the months, excuse me, kind of wrapping up, you know, we have, um, Elder Scrolls out in June. We have Redfall out, you know, on the, on May 2nd, Forza could come out in June. You know, some people were kind of suspecting that it might be out in June. We're starting to run out of months for Starfield to come out in, you know, early to mid ish, uh, 2023. So people are starting to suspect and rumors are kind of going around that Starfield, uh, may be delaying into, you know, kind of that big October, November sort of release window, which I think makes sense. I think I, I, I truly believe that, you know, Starfield will have its own special announcement, you know, stream conference video, whatever outside of this, you know, LA stuff, whether they show more Starfield at, the Los Angeles, you know, convention or not, like leaves it up to uh, Microsoft. I don't, they have a date yet. I mean, we have some dates roughly for, um, for some of this stuff. Let me take a look here. Uh, E3 is going to be running from Tuesday, June 13th until Friday, June 16th. So you can probably expect that Los Angeles event to kind of happen in and around that time period, uh, Jeff Keighley also is going to be having his Summer Game Fest. Let's take a look here. Summer Game Fest happening Thursday, June 8th. So, again, June is going to be a hot week. Uh, sorry, June is going to be a hot month, excuse me, um, for, for game announcements. You know, we have Summer Game Fest, and then a week later, E3 is happening. And then, of course, with E3 comes the Xbox uh, conference in Los Angeles. Don't have a lot of news around that, but I'm just letting you know. 
Um, and then kind of wrapping it up with uh, some more Xbox news. This is also Nintendo news. Uh, GoldenEye 007 will release for the Nintendo Switch and Xbox this week. I believe it is going to be out Friday. Let's just double check here. When is this out? Let's see. Yeah, that's how that's out. Okay, so Friday. So they're doing an interesting thing. So, you know, GoldenEye uh, 007 originally came out on the Nintendo 64, like way back in the day. Um, a long ass time ago, uh, GoldenEye 007 came out. And, uh, you know, it is kind of held on to this iconic status as one of the biggest first person shooters uh, console games, whatever, uh, of that era. But of course, you know, it was at a time when rare, the developers, um, you know, were owned by, um, Nintendo. Nintendo has then sold rare to Microsoft and, um, the, you know, obviously the, the, the bond uh, license has kind of been all over the place to some extent. So they've had to do a lot of weird business to get to where we are today a lot of weird business has had to be made between, you know, Microsoft and Nintendo shaking hands, agreeing to this game coming out on both of their platforms, uh, the development around this stuff, as we're going to talk about in just a moment, there have been, um, some updates to the game. Um, on top of that, let's, let's kind of get into that. So GoldenEye is going to be coming out on Xbox one and Xbox series S and X as part of Xbox game pass. If you own a digital copy of rare replay, rare replay is the rare, uh, collect uh, rare, the developer, uh, you know, kind of, uh, historical collector's edition of all their games, uh, including games that had also been on, uh, Nintendo 64. Uh, you will get that game free of charge. So you got to either own rare replay or you got to have game pass. Uh, to play it. Um, and like I said, GoldenEye 007 will be out on Xbox One and Xbox Series S and X, but it'll also be coming out on the Nintendo Switch. And this is where things get a little weird. Um, Nintendo, I'm just confirming this here. But yeah, it's, this is a real weird one. Um, so the Nintendo Switch version of GoldenEye 007 will, of course, include the single player, you know, levels based off of the, 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 the movie. It'll also have your local multiplayer competitive, you know, split screen uh, shooting. It'll also have online play. So you'll be able to play and compete and shoot people online with the Switch version. You will not be able to play online in the Xbox version. Instead, the Xbox version will feature achievements, 4K resolution, and a smoother frame rate in addition to split screen local multiplayer. So the Xbox port, and this is a quote from uh, Rare, the original experience has been updated with improved control options, including dual analog stick support. Remember, the, uh, <laughs> the Nintendo 64 did not have dual analog uh, back in the day. Uh, it will also feature native 16 by 9 resolution up to 4K uh, ultra high definition uh, res resolution, a consistent refresh rate and a full complement of achievements. Achievements, of course, being like, you know, the Xbox equivalent of trophies uh, for the game as well. So it's a weird split between do you want the nicer graphics and the not online? Do you basically want a, a more modern version of GoldenEye 007? Uh, and if so, get it on the Xbox. Or if you want something that is not only more true to the original, but also multiplayer, online multiplayer, um, you could get the Switch version. Not out on PC, so I won't be playing it. Also, man, GoldenEye 007... I'm assuming it is showing its age. That's why they're, you know, putting it back out in this weird version. Um, but I've never been a big GoldenEye 007. The game movie's good, but the game never been a huge fan. Uh, got some more news here. This is around AEW Fight Forever, more like AEW in development forever. Uh, no release date for AEW Fight Forever. All Elite Wrestling's. First foray into uh, video games. Um, there's a release date uh, limbo for the game. We don't know when it's coming out. They have never said when it is coming out. Um, and a reportedly 
the release of it is in limbo due to the rating of the game due to some ESRB rating issues. The game was originally planned for a 2022 release, but it never got much further than that. Um, this is where I kind of have to refer to not only gaming sites, but also wrestling news sites. So, uh, God, if I can't wait to see how many stars Dave Meltzer gives, uh, AEW fight forever. Let's just, let's just read the story. The story, of course, from video games, Chronicles shout out to video games at Chronicles. It's claimed that the upcoming all elite wrestling game no longer has a firm release date due to failing to acquire the ESRB rating that the AEW publisher THQ Nordic had hoped for. According to WrestleZone, citing sources close to the situation, it said the amount of blood and gore in the game presented it from achieving a teen rating on multiple attempts. While it's unclear which issues the ESRB has with it, it should be noted that AEW often presents wrestling featuring significantly more blood and heightened violence than its rival WWE. It's possible that the virtual representation of this content has caused the game to fail to achieve the desired rating. AEW's Fight Forever release date has been in constant unknown. In June last year, AEW star Kenny Omega said he hoped the game was on schedule to release in 2022, which, uh, when this was clearly no longer possible, the game was then set for release in February 2023. According to WrestleZone, that February window now seems unlikely, and with WWE 2K23 planned for March. Oh, yeah, I forgot the news for uh, WWE 2K23 has been announced that is out in March. Um, John Cena is on the front cover. I don't know what else to say. We don't know anything else besides that WWE 2K23 exists. It's out in March and John Cena is on the cover. Um, but now that that game is planned for March, AEW fans may be in, may be in for a longer wait for the company's debut game. Uh, the debut video game for the upstart rival to WWE is being developed by Yuke's, the Japanese studio previously responsible for the WWE SmackDown and WWE 2K series from 20, uh, from 2000 to 2018. Yuke's confirmed last year that it was working on a new best in class console game for AEW during the game's announcement it was revealed the genre luminary, uh, uh, Hidoki, uh, uh, Oh God, I'm going to. Butcher this poor gentleman's name. Uh, Hideki. Oh boy. It was revealed um, that they got basically it was revealed. Um, I can't even. I'm just going to. And we'll probably cut this part. It was revealed that the uh, director of the classic fighting games, WWE, No Mercy and Def Jam uh, Vendetta would also be involved in the AEW title. So Yuke's got the guy who made WWF No Mercy and Def Jam Vendetta or the one of the biggest brains behind it to get involved in this uh, AEW game. Honestly, you know, they also talk about how like Owen Hart is going to be in in W and all that stuff in the AEW game. I'm going to say this first and foremost, if we're dealing with you know blood and gore that is representative of uh AEW, you know, TV, I think their TV has a 14 plus, I mean, I'm dealing with kind of Canadian ratings, you know, board here, but I believe AEW dynamite, their weekly Wednesday show is rated at a, at a 14 plus now a teen rating is 13. So I don't know if they have amped up the amount of blood and gore that you typically see in an AEW game or sorry, in an AEW show uh, for this game. There could also be that, you know, we're dealing with uh, intergender wrestling, right? You know, in AEW the game, you can do men versus women um, matches, which is something that you don't see on TV. Now, to me, I don't know if the inclusion of intergender wrestling uh, to me, I don't know if the inclusion of intergender wrestling is enough to warrant a M rating, but I would also say that when you partner that and the taboo, you know, kind of, and, and the controversy around intergender wrestling, uh, for, for, but I listen, I'm not, not, I'm not trying to be the fucking nanny state here, but when you combine that with barbed wire and gore and violence and exploding rings and 
you know, chair shots and staples and thumbtacks and, and type of stuff that you might find in, you know, a hardcore match or, or something like that. Um, I could see, I could see a world in which that game is, is, is hardcore enough to get an M rating. Um, that being said, this game will not have an M rating. There's no way in hell AEW fight forever comes out with a rated M for mature. There's no fucking way it will not sell. It will not sell the copies that, you know, AEW and Ukes and THQ need it to sell. Um, there's simply no way you need to get that game down to a, a teen rating um, to make it easier for folks to buy that game for a younger crowd to buy that game. Like, I'm not saying baby the game. I'm not saying, you know, take out the intergender. I'm not saying take out the um, uh, the blood and gore, or any of that stuff. But like the WWE games are rated teen. Right. And as far as I know, they've always been rated teen right now in fairness and in the art, you know, video games chronicles points out that yes, WWE does not do as many hardcore matches. And when they do hardcore matches or violent feuds or anything like that, it does not feature the same level of blood. Um, and, and, you know, kind of just hard, you know, more hardcore edgier depictions of violence, uh, than, than AEW. Um, and obviously the game, the fight forever game is trying to represent that, uh, as best as possible, but there's no way in hell, uh, fight forever is going to come out with an M rating. And at this point, there's no way in hell it is going to come out, um, before March, unless they can get like an ESRB thing down today. Like I just, I don't see it because you probably want this game. You probably can't have this game come out too early from WWE, right? Because you probably don't want it to be that close of a release date. The comparisons are already going to be made. People are already going to be comparing this game to whatever the most recent WWE game, right? So it doesn't matter if it comes out first in the year or second in the year. When when this game comes out, it'll be, it'll be compared uh, and and. You know, rightfully so. I mean, AEW is compared to WWE all the time and vice versa. But um, we will be comparing this game to, you know, WWE, right? So if you take that and consider that you could put this game out early or you could, uh, you know, before the release of 2K23 or you can put it out later, you're probably better off, you know, using that last little bit of resources and development time to make sure that game shines the way that it should. Right. Get that rating, get that teen rating. And if you can't get it out, like basically I'm saying, if you can't get it out a month before uh, WWE, you're probably better off putting it out like a month or, or a month and a half after. Right. Like let, let, let the WWE stuff settle down. Let people realize that WWE 2K23 is probably exactly the same game as WWE 2K22, except John Cena is on the cover instead of Rey Mysterio. And let people remember that like WWE is back to the same old, same old bullshit with their games, right? Or maybe they're not. Hey, what do I know? WWE 2K23 could be the greatest wrestling game um, in the world, even when compared to Fight Forever for all we know. But I'm just saying you might, you as in, uh, you know, THQ and, and, and AEW and Ukes might just want to accept the fact that, uh, you know, WWE is going to beat them to the punch with a release this year. Um, despite the fact the fight forever has been delayed forever and use that time wisely. Like, you know, w uh, AEW does uh, four pay-per-views a year. Right. And I don't know if they've announced, uh, I know we have revolution eight. I'm going to type in AEW pay-per-views and, and just, again, this is not a wrestling podcast, but hear me out for just a moment. Please. Oh, please. Uh, we have AEW uh, Revolution. That is their next pay-per-view. That uh, pay-per-view is happening March 5th. So after March 5th, I would expect this game to come out is basically what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, Double or Nothing is their uh, second pay-per-view of the year. Unless they do something in between that. And um, Double or Nothing typically happens in the late spring, right? You know, Revolution is a late winter, early spring uh, pay-per-view. Um, Revolution has sometimes happened in February, I believe. No, is 
Really? Yeah, revolution has happened in in late February at times. So, anyways, point is, you know, you might it might this game might come out, you know, around uh around May. If I'm looking at this uh, AEW, you know, kind of calendar, you know, revolution happened uh, May 29th last year. Maybe May is when uh, we can expect uh, fight forever. Um, but definitely not before that. If I had to guess. That's going to do it for news. Uh, let's uh, briefly talk about some of the games that I have been playing. We talked about Forspoken. Did not like Forspoken. Won't be buying the full game. Even if they made it a nicer looking video game, I would not play more Forspoken. And I'm probably done with my time with Hi-Fi Rush, but we'll see. Looking forward to Dead Space, though. Really looking forward to it. I mean, hey, expect expect a you know a healthy amount of uh, impressions and uh, and information on Dead Space uh, next week. Uh, but between then and now, you know, playing a little bit of my time at Sandrock. You know, I'm farming, I'm grinding, I'm cutting wood, I'm building shit, I'm building shit for other people, I'm fighting animals to. I just got into making a bunch of clothes in uh, in my time at Sandrock. I now have a tailoring machine, so now I got to go fight a bunch of uh, fuzzy monsters, fuzzy and furry monsters to get wool and animal pelts and all that stuff so I can turn it into hats and shit. So uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I would have streamed it uh, yesterday if I had time, but uh, we were doing a lot of painting at my place, kind of painting the whole... Uh, in the whole apartment and in doing so we had to move a lot of furniture around um we had to move a lot of furniture around i didn't even even move i didn't even move half of the furniture that needed moving um there was so much of it so um kind of a you know work in progress i now pretty much have everything plugged in and set up the way that i need slash want it to be um set up and uh we'll have more to talk about dead space um next week that is going to do it for glitch report a uh, nice tight ish uh podcast episode this week that is episode 29 in the bag baby you can find everything that i do over at my link tree linktree.com slash g-n-i-t-t-w-i-t-t twitch twitter youtube instagram all that good stuff i am going to try to bust my butt to get that uh nitwit website up and running uh hopefully to share with all of you come next week no promises but we're working on it um tell a friend tell your family tell the people that you love and care about that video games are cool and good and you can listen to glitch report for all of the latest gaming news that's gonna do it for the show today i have been nitwit thank you so much for hanging out and we will see you next week Thank you for listening and take it easy.